This is Mindset for Success with your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Each week, she will interview women entrepreneurs to explore the unconscious psychological struggles they faced as they build their businesses and how they overcame them. Here's your host, Leslie Knudsen. I'm so happy to welcome our next guest, Juliet Scott Croxford. Juliet currently serves as CEO for Media Brand Worth, responsible for leading its transformation from a print magazine to a content platform that focuses on worth beyond wealth and inspires and informs an affluent, influential, and successful community of individuals to be their best. Juliet began her career as a management consultant, learning to code at IBM Business Consulting Services before focusing on strategy and organizational change and working with clients to solve complex business problems across a variety of sectors through the use of technology. After working as a consultant with Guardian News and Media on its print-to-digital strategy, in 2012, she confirmed in a permanent role to a lead strategy and operations for the Guardian Media and Group's commercial division based in London. Julia joined the Guardian's executive committee in 2015 and as a chief delivery officer was responsible for the strategic implementation of the global three-year turnaround and plan transformation and growth for the Guardian's U.S. operation, relocating to New York in 2016. She currently lives in Westchester with her husband and son, is a keen runner, yogi, and skier. Welcome, Juliet. Thank you, Leslie. It's great to be here with you today. Could you share with our listeners a bit about your colorful background, fabulous accent, and growing up in the U.K., and then your move to the U.S. for work five years ago? Yeah, of course. So I was I was um, born in the UK, despite my grandfather actually being an American. So um, even though I was born and raised in the UK, I actually ended up spending a lot of time in, in the US as a child before um, moving here five years ago. Um, my the start of my career really focused on um, what was termed a managing consultant, which I really learned about when I was at university. And I was attracted to the profession because it felt like it would offer me variety. And I think at that point in my life, I wasn't quite sure. I I certainly didn't want to kind of pin myself to something. Mm -hmm. And I liked the idea of being able to work across industry and across sector and across um, different clients and, and just to sort of get a deep understanding of their problems quickly and help them solve for those so my career started at IBM I was a um, a technology consultant initially which actually started me off in terms of uh, learning to code and being a developer Uh, I quite quickly realized what I really enjoyed much more was the impact understanding the impact that technology was having on people and processes and companies and businesses and, and, and industries um, so I moved into what was their organizational change and digital transformation practice. Uh, from there, I worked across a number of different industries. And then prior to um, the financial crisis in 2008, I, I sort of had recognized the media and entertainment space being just a very interesting industry to um, 
to get involved with, it was being disrupted pretty fairly early on with the impact on, on, on digital. Um, so I worked for a number of clients in the media and entertainment space, then joined a boutique consultancy. And, and if I'm honest, I joined them because they had just won their first project with a media client, uh, which was The Guardian. And that was a brand that I had grown up with. And it was very culturally relevant in the UK. And I, endo- I, I adored the brand. So mm-hmm. I joined them on the understanding that I would go on that project to oversee their digital transformation and set up what at the time was their sort of digital development team and approach uh, and, and introduce the sort of notion of more agile ways of working and product development. And then a year in, I went client side um, and joined them permanently to oversee the sort of strategy and operational parts of their business on the commercial side. So all of the sort of revenue elements of it, including marketing and audience insight. Um, and then fast forward to 2015, I was appointed to the executive team as chief delivery officer, which um, I, I think you, you, you highlighted in the introduction. And, and at that point, the, the Guardian, the brand was in crisis. So it was a pretty intense time uh, to be there, but it was also an incredibly rewarding time. Um, and, and it was a very sort of involved project in terms of really sort of thinking about how we take the business back to break even and um, really think about how the business is going to be a sustainable business in the future and what revenue streams will drive that um, and how we need to kind of really rethink the culture and ways of working um, and, and cost base to support that. So um, I was overseeing the implementation of that three-year turnaround plan, and that was what took me to New York in 2016 to oversee the turnaround of the Guardian's U.S. business, and, and I've stayed ever since. So I know now that you're working at Worth, which is, of course, um, a U.S. company, Um I wondered if there was some risk deciding to stay in the U.S., whether or not you feel like you maybe didn't fit in or it didn't bother you. And if so, what sorts of things did you do to overcome these issues? Yeah, it's a good question. I I don't think at the time I weighed up the risk of us staying I was certainly, as a family and, and certainly with my husband, I was certainly the key, the driver of wanting to come here. Um, and actually now he's he's more sort of, actually he can't imagine going back right now. So um, I, I was definitely the driver. And I think it was driven from both my experience as a kid and, and my, mm-hmm. my sort of relationship with my grandfather and my father. Um, as well as I had travelled a lot on business to New York, and I just loved the energy of it and the, the, the frenetic energy of it, and I found that quite addictive. Um, so I, I, I think it got in under my skin, and I sort of got it in my head, and I sort of set, put my mind to it that actually, yeah, we would come here. And when we did move over, I was three months pregnant, so we ended up having our son was born in Manhattan mm-hmm. um, so really he's known no different um, mm-hmm. and we've obviously since moved out to Westchester and we, we're actually expecting another one um, so I think at the time I didn't really weigh up the risk I saw it as a real opportunity there of course are times throughout the last five years where you know you sometimes question is this the right thing to do um, 
But actually, the decision to join Worth was one where I'd sort of recognized whilst I'd worked in the US through The Guardian, I hadn't really been exposed to the US market in a way that I felt the Worth opportunity would expose me to. So really, for the, the opportunity with Worth, it was it, it, it's a private equity company it, it owned by a single investor at my chair. Uh, Jim McCann and I and I saw it as an opportunity to really build my network um, and relationships in the U.S. market and also in New York, uh, and and it's and it's afforded me to do that, which has been great. And I also guess, give, thanks to your grandfather being American and to having traveled a lot, I think you said also as a kid and for work, um, being globally minded and and diversity is something that's really important to you and is you're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also my grandfather is a Texan, so it's sort of it's, <laughs> very it's, globally minded. It, it's very, yeah, it, as you know, it's it's a quite a um, it, it is a sort of every state is so different as well. Um, but I do I do think it's important to be globally minded, and I think when you really experience living in another country, I, I did when I was a teenager, or I think just in my early 20s I actually lived in Italy for a bit and, and did a ski season and it does give you a different perspective mm-hmm, and I think sure. that's really valuable in 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 connecting and empathizing with different cultures and sort of expanding your mind um beyond you know the country that you know and you love and you've been brought up in so I, I do think it's it's been great for that. And I also think it's great for your relationship as well to kind of experience mm-hmm. sort of living overseas and, and getting used to that. Um, and then certainly from a diversity and equality and inclusion point of view, it's, it's absolutely something that I've been driven by. Um, and, and particularly over the last three years at Worth, we have um, quite a significant community and platform focused on what we call women and Worth. And that's mm-hmm. all focused on how do you accelerate and activate progress for women and minorities amid the challenges that we still face, whether it's access to the board, access to capital, access to funding, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and, you, and you just have to sort of look at this, the, the impact, I mean, on, on women and particularly working mums over the last 12 months has been um, devastating. So I think it's, if anything, it's sort of highlighted that to me even further and, and the importance of of helping us drive for a more inclusive equal economy and society for the, for the benefit of everyone really mm-hmm. you shared with me um earlier that you had a really difficult time in your first year of a university which kind of um created this moment for you to have some self-doubt and then kind of pivot and do something else can you would you talk a little bit about that experience and and how did you successfully move forward from this? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. It was actually my first year at co- what we call sixth form college. So it was just oh. after high school. And it was before I went to university. I studied business and management at Oxford Brooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it was the first time that I had tried at something and failed. Mm-hmm. And it really sort of impacted me. And I think it caught me by surprise because I, I felt like through my high school years, I was pretty popular and I kind of, you know, I, I was never like the brainiest or, but I, I always kind of did well, 
but with relatively little effort. Mm-hmm. And it was when I was in my first year at Sixth Form College that I actually ended up taking my exams uh, and failed them. And mm-hmm. I was I was sort of taken aback by it, but also it suddenly dawned on me that I had to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And no one was going to figure it out out for me um so I kind of did quite a bit of soul searching and realized actually what I was what I'd chosen to study wasn't the right thing and actually where I'd chosen to study was the wrong place so I ended up um then deciding actually uh, and and probably driven a bit by my father and and the fact that he was sort of very business-minded and also my brother had done a sort of business management course I ended up thinking I would do that plus Spanish because I love languages and I'd, mm-hmm. I'd done quite a lot of traveling. So I, I realized actually I was studying the wrong thing. So, and then I re-enrolled in a different college. And it wasn't, it wasn't once I'd, until I'd done those two things, I then told my parents. Because for some reason I was like, okay, I've got to figure this out. And then I, and then I can kind of say, look, I, I haven't done very well this year, but I have sorted it out and this is what I'm now going to do. And it was interesting. I think that whole experience then shocked me into realizing I want to do really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of gave me a different kind of drive um, in terms of, you know, I, I did want to, I did want to get really good grades and I did want to be the best in the class. And it definitely sort of switched something in my head that experience, mm-hmm. which at the time I remember feeling quite panicked by it but um I think it was probably quite a quite a key moment in my life really and how it's sort of driven me forward and does it sort of define how you see fear of failure today in some ways um I think I've got more comfortable with it and I think I just just because of the job that I'm in and the the industry I'm in, it's it, it's so fast paced and it's and it just it's co- it's continuously being disrupted, and change is inevitable. So I think in order and particularly this role at work where actually it's a turnaround and it was a turnaround, I I think I've sort of almost trained myself to get in that headspace of actually experimenting, learning is a good thing. And I know it's a cliche to sort of say fail fast, but I think if you get into that headspace of let's try things out and let's see what happens and what the results are, and if if they if, if we like them, let's carry on, or, or does mm-hmm. it open a new opportunity, or if it doesn't, we stop doing it. But I think you, I think it's important to be in that mindset. Otherwise, I, I think you're in danger of sort of becoming paralysed if you don't embrace change. So I think from in some senses, that's sort of what I've now lent into in a much in a much more sort of prevalent way. Looking backwards, change has always been something you had to do. Not stay away. From, I'm sorry, not shy away from. Um, yeah, certainly in my career, yes, and and then also I guess that that experience of college actually I had to change. I had you know I had to change mm-hmm. where I was. Um, Certainly in my career, it was like, actually, I was always looking at the impact of things and therefore how organizations had to change. So it was almost Mm -hmm. like I was advising through that process. 
in my in my roles at Worth and at The Guardian, I've actually been in that process. So it's like actually what we're doing is is creating change. There's change going on in the industry, which puts pressure on you, but actually in turnaround situations, change is inevitable. So I think I've sort you of to learned, embrace it. you've got to embrace it. And I've sort of yeah. learned to really enjoy that, actually. Mm-hmm. Ever been a time when you maybe didn't feel adequate or worthy in terms of the job that you had or or didn't get a role that you were expecting and if so what did you learn from this and how did you go forward yes (laughs) that's all of those things um yeah I mean there's definitely been a few roles I've gone for that I haven't got and and um I'm just sort of thinking about all of those situations. It's interesting those moments because in the in the moment they feel really rubbish, mm-hmm. um, and and now on reflection in hindsight, it's 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 often had the impact that you, I sort of now go well maybe that was meant to be because it's taken me down a different path or presented itself presented a different opportunity for me and in all occasions actually where I haven't I have gone for a role that I haven't got um the first time that happened to me I remember being feeling really upset and really knocked by it and again I think maybe it was I I was like it was slightly unexpected whereas Mm -hmm. the subsequent times that's happened I think I've always sort of in my head gone well if I don't get that this is my plan b or my plan c but in all occasions, it's actually propelled me on to make a change. I've never sort of stuck where I have at that point. I, I've always kind of gone, okay, this is my calling card to make a switch and do something different or um, apply for something different or join a different company. So it's interesting. Sometimes I think it's almost the forcing mechanism which I have needed to kind of go, well, this was sort mm-hmm. of in your plan anyway, but it sort of forced it. And also sort of like you you didn't want to fail. And you and you want like with the with the school experience, you wanted to figure it out on your own yeah. and then be able to present the fait complete, right? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you weren't gonna fail. Exactly. I mean I, I yeah, I kind of it's interesting because like when I put my mind to something and kind of go, okay, this is what I want. It, I mean, no one likes to lose, do they? But I, 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 feel, I think I've become more accepting of actually if it doesn't work out in the way that you had your heart and mind set on it, uh, I think the, the disappointment and the learning from that process is, 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 is if anything, more powerful. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and your kind of recovery from it is, is, is different. And I think re- more recently... I've sort of got my head into a place of you're on this sort of lifelong learning journey. There's no kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, I'm not trying to get to one place and that's it. So I think if you embrace it as that, I think everything you learn from every, every moment and, you know, you might do things differently or actually maybe it was the right decision as well. Right. And it creates the space to kind of figure it out as you go, as opposed to sticking with a plan that is inflexible rigid you're going to stick with no matter what exactly what you're saying is part of it is it's helpful 
to every once in a while have your bubble burst and sort of figure out things differently. Um, I have one last question for you. Do you feel like your upbringing, do you experience it as being helpful to master your, your mindset for success or not so helpful? Um, I, I do. I, I think it's an interesting one because my, my far, I'm, I'm very close to my mother and my father. My father was a, um, worked in business and was a very hard worker. Um, and I always kind of saw that. And I think that has given me the drive I have today and certainly the work ethic I have today. Um, he, he sort of started as an apprentice and worked his way up to the top. Um, so I think his drive and ambition has definitely worn off on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure that's where I, I'm sure that's where it comes from. Um, there are times where sometimes I think I just need to give myself a break mm-hmm. and that, and, and not put so much pressure on myself. And I'm, I'm, I think that's a sort of a regular chat that I need to have with myself internally where, you know, when, when, when the stakes are high and when you, I, I sometimes kind of really want to, I don't know whether it's win a partnership or, or deliver a brilliant piece of work. Sometimes I think I just need to like be, be kinder to myself, I think. Um, sure. And, and I think, I mean, it's interesting. I I think I've got the balance right a bit better than I probably Mm -hmm. used to, but I still think it's something I have to work on on a weekly, if not daily basis. (laughs) Especially as as child number two comes at the end of March, yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I want to tell you, Juliet, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing with me and the listeners about, about all of the interesting journeys that you've had. Um, where can people reach you to learn more about your work? Uh, well, you can find me on LinkedIn at Juliet Scott-Croxford. Um, also, if you're interested in the diversity, equality, inclusion and belonging space, I would invite anyone to register for the Women and Worth Action Speak Louder Than Words Summit, which is March 2nd to 4th this year, 2021. Um, and you can find that and register for, the, uh, for that on worth.com forward slash events. Great. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Leslie. Great to speak to you. Thanks so much. This podcast is brought to you by Women Entrepreneurs Global, the first startup studio and digital DIY startup platform for women. For more information on her guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit womenentrepreneurs.global. We believe in open and non-stigmatizing dialogue about the hidden psychological difficulties experienced by many successful entrepreneurs and highlighting the strategies used to overcome them, such as the fear of failure, of not being good enough, and that loud, chattering internal critic is critical to helping other founders achieve success. Please join her next week for more Mindset for Success stories. That was Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and you can drop her a line at dr.lesliekanudsen at dr.lesliekanudsen.com.